Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm a compulsive over and under eater. So this morning, I'm going to talk about step two, given it's still February. And um, I read step two this week and was remembering things that I've been through in recovery, in my OA recovery, that uh, really spoke to me in this step. Um, I came to OA in 1988, I believe, in Virginia, where I still lived at that time. And I moved to San Francisco in 89. I guess I moved in 88. And um continued to attend OA meetings in San Francisco and, um, you know, was doing really well. My weight was right at that sweet spot. I wasn't having any trouble eating the food that was on my food plan and sticking to it. And I was really connected with people in OA. Um, when I moved to San Francisco from Virginia, of course, it was culture shock for me. I was born and raised in Virginia. And um, so when I moved here, I really latched on to people in OA and called people and went to regular meetings. And um, that really helped me a lot. And uh, my life just took off. There was all kinds of things going on in my life and changes and being here instead of Virginia was just wonderful. I felt like I'd been set free. And, uh, you know, things emerged that I needed to work on in terms of my recovery and just the stuff that had happened in my life. And, uh, I wanted to go to some different programs and stop going to OA meetings because I could, couldn't do four programs all at once. And I thought I would be just fine. And, um, you know, I continued to go to lots of 12-step meetings, but I wasn't going to OA. And gradually over the next 10 years, I put on weight and, um, you know, just did not want to come back to OA. I had it in my head that I had been judged in OA, which is just insanity. You know, when step two tells us that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I had lots of insanity going on. Nobody was judging me in OA. I was, I was judging myself. And my mother had been really judgmental about my weight. And I I think I heard my mother's voice in people in OA. You know, I hadn't gotten to all of the steps when I stopped coming to meetings. So I don't think I realized how much I judged myself, you know, with the voice that my mother had judged me with. And so I did everything I could not to come back to OA. I have a notebook where I wrote down my weight every single day for over two years. I mean, if that's not compulsive obsessiveness, I don't know what is. And every time 
I found an article about what people do to keep their weight at a normal level. I cut the article out and stuck it in the notebook. It was just craziness. You know, everything I did to try not to have to come back to OA. And finally, I just said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start attending some meetings. Thank you. I had gone to an event at work where they uh, tested the fat content in my body and my blood sugar and cholesterol, and all of it was not in the right range. So um, they gave me a membership to OA. So I, I mean, they gave me an, a membership to um, Weight Watchers. And I started going to that. I'd rather, I would, at that point, I thought I'd rather go to Weight Watchers than to OA. Don't ask me why. It was craziness. It was just craziness. But my mother had had a lot of success in OA. So we started going, I mean, <laughs> you can hear, you can hear how crazy it was. So my mother and I started going to Weight Watchers together. She wanted me to lose weight enough that she was going to meetings with me. And she was in her early 90s at that point. And they made a big fuss over her that she was in Weight Watchers at the age of 90, probably. So we lost weight together. And um, she was so happy. And I was happy too. But I started to put it back on, you know, I need a spiritual program. I need a higher power. And finally, I started coming back to meetings. And I said, okay, I'll go to meetings, but I'm not going to do anything else. It's nine o'clock. Until finally, I thought, okay, I'm ready to do more of it. I probably came to meetings for a year and a half before I got ready. And um, I asked somebody to sponsor me. So let me say, I wanted to read a paragraph out of the OA 12 and 12. Um, compulsive, compulsive eaters are often people of extremes. We overreacted to slight provocations while ignoring the real issues in our lives, obviously. We were obsessively busy, then we were exhausted and unable to act. We were wildly excited, then deeply depressed. Boy, that fits my whole life. We saw the whole world in black and white. If we couldn't have it all, we didn't want any. If we couldn't be the best, we didn't want to participate. You know, I didn't want to come back to OA because it meant I would have to dig in and spend time on my recovery. God forbid, I spent a lot of time on eating. So... Then I'm going to go to another paragraph. Before long, we usually asked other OA members to be our sponsors. It took me a long while. Most of us chose someone with whom we felt a kinship or in whom we saw recovery. I asked somebody who I liked her feather earrings. Um, as we developed personal relationships with our sponsors, the love of the OA group came to us in a deeper way. Sponsors answered our questions, listened to our problems, shared our tears and laughter, 
and guided us, uh, guided us in recovery as they helped us apply OA principles in our lives. For the first time ever, we felt the relief of not having to face our problems alone. This relationship represented a higher power in which we could believe, which is what happened. I didn't know who my sponsor was. I didn't know her. She said something in a meeting I liked. And as I said, I really liked her feather earrings. So I asked her to sponsor me. And it turned out she had had the same problems believing in a power greater than herself that I had. And she considered herself an atheist. And I considered myself an atheist. But I noticed I would ask her advice on things and she would stop and pray. And I didn't understand how she could not believe in God, but she stopped and prayed for advice all the time. So I tried it and lo and behold, advice came to me. And I felt like her voice in my head was the voice of a higher power. I was amazed. I couldn't believe it, but I did. Clearly something was working for me. And, you know, I began to do what I heard other people doing. Like I made a food plan. I um, planned for meals. Thank you. And I, I had trouble with both overeating and undereating. I really didn't know how to feed myself. Um, I have ADHD and I've learned in recent years that it's not unusual for people with ADHD to have eating disorders. And it's really hard for people with ADHD to plan anything, much less food, cooking, shopping, all of that stuff. So I got help for shopping with food, for figuring out, okay, if I need to have three, I mean, I pretty much eat the same breakfast and lunch every day. That's easy. I knew how to shop for that and how to prepare that and how to eat that. But dinner was a whole nother story. I'd come home from work and start scavenging in the refrigerator and not be able to put together a meal to save myself. It was either too much, it was too weird, or it was too little. And I just couldn't get that together. And I kept asking people in the program, what do you eat? How do you figure out meals? How do you know what to buy at the store? And people helped me. A lot of people helped me. Um. So I began to believe that there was something greater than myself, if not anything more than just you guys. You guys helped me. And, you know, when I say you guys, I mean whoever, whoever I asked in the program. Um, and I, you know, as I was working the steps, my sponsor had me do a job description for a higher power. And that brings me to another paragraph in step two. Some of us began by asking her, ourselves, what do I need from a higher power? 
what would I like such a power to be and do in my life? Once we identified this power for ourselves, we found we felt at ease with it. Yeah, if you let me define what a higher power is, I'm going to define something that I feel comfortable with. How about that? Instead of uh, struggling with what I had been taught in church. You know, my father was a Methodist minister and I sort of modeled God after my father, which was okay for some parts, but he was fairly authoritarian. So I didn't like being told what to do. So that didn't work very well. So having a higher power that made gentle suggestions that came through your voices that, um, that loved me for who I am, not for somebody I'm supposed to be. That, um, that really changed my picture of a higher power. Um, so little by little, as we experienced changes for the better in our lives, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. I'd been coming to 12-step meetings in lots of programs since 1984. And finally, 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 about 13 years ago, I began to believe in a higher power that actually works for me. And hallelujah, that was so great. Um, you know, I still, I call my higher power God sometimes because it's just shorthand for a concept that we all define in our own ways. Um, so sometimes I call my higher power God and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I believe in some entity and sometimes I don't. And over the years, I've done all of this woo-woo stuff. I love California. It's so great, all the things you can do. You know, searching for spirit guides and past lives and, you know, getting pictures in my head of what a higher power might be. I have a god and goddess that stand on either side of the tower at Twin, uh, Twin Peaks. Thank you. And... They keep an eye on me, and I have this little sparkly purple imp, imp that just I call um, mighty purple. It's just this teeny little thing that sparkles around that's part of my higher power. And, you know, all these little images that add up to something that hangs out with me and offers me advice from time to time. And um, I get to sound all woo-woo when I talk about them, which is fun. Um, so all of these things add up to something that I still have to work on. You know, I'd like to say, oh, I got this higher power and this higher power just shows up in my life every day and I don't have to do anything. It just shows up and I know what to do all the time. <laughs> uh, good day. That would be a good day. Um, I really have to work on it because I forget. 
I forget that I have a higher power. I forget to pray. I forget what all of these books and you guys tell me. You know, I get wild. I'm, I get mean. I get sad. I get depressed. All of those ups and downs still exist for me. But they're so much less volatile and so much less intense, thank God. Um, and some of that may be because I have fewer um, hormones running around in my body now. And some of it may be because I have a higher power. And some of it may be because you guys remind me that I, I don't have to be crazy. I can be sane. I can just slow down, pray, read some literature, call somebody, listen at a meeting, and my life gets better and more manageable. And I feel more sane most of the time. Um, yeah, so it's good. It's really good. And um, I'm really grateful to be here. I think about you guys during the week and things you're going through and things you say, and it helps me a lot. So thanks for being here. That's it.